You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Wait, every time you wake up is the same day? That's terrible. Yeah, don't worry. I call Progressive. Their 24-7 protection still works, even if my day does last forever. Yeah, but don't you want it to end? Are you kidding? I win the lottery whenever I want and never regret anything. It's the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Winder, alongside Thomas Carinante, and I root for the worst possible baseball team in 2021. The Boston Red Sox and Houston Astros are going to the ALCS. Aaron Boone is probably coming back. You know Brian Cashman is coming back. Some people think the Yankees are going to be big spenders because they reset the luxury tax last year. <laughs> I, I have my doubts. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'd be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Let's talk trade targets. Let's talk what it would take to pry these trade targets away, specifically from the Oakland A's. Let's talk Yankees we think are gone, but let's open by talking about uh, this nightmare ALCS matchup, uh, which was made even more nightmarish when we learned that Aaron Boone was probably coming back to manage the Yankees in 2021, which should not be a shocker. We've talked about this before. We had a brief like 12 hour period when it kind of seemed like maybe the Padres were going to hire Aaron Boone. I don't know what I don't know what that was even supposed to mean, but uh, yeah, latest reports. Booney's coming back, and you know that's not going to be one year. We're looking at two years. So, how you feeling? Pretty, pretty much like nothing. It's just nothing. I don't feel anything anymore with this team. Yeah. It's just like the season ended with a thud. In kind, of, there were two things that were going to happen in that wild card game. They were going to win a nail biter, or that was just going to be it. They were going to lose six to two, and it was not going to be close. Um, they fulfilled every negative prophecy that we had put out there this year. Um, and the only reason those prophecies were put out there is because that's what, the, what they were showing us for a majority of the year. Um, Aaron Boone coming back. It, it doesn't surprise me. Like how many times do we have to say it? This is what we know this team to do. They don't rock the boat. They don't make the, the, the overarching house cleaning moves that need to be done. They've watched the Red Sox do it fucking six times over the last 17 years. And they're, they haven't taken a, a clue yet. Um, 
So I am kind of thinking that Boone's deal is going to be one year with a club option. That that's what I'm thinking. I, I don't know if that is. Do, do you think that that's not right? Because look, if they're running this back, you, my assumption here is that if they're bringing Aaron Boone back, they're running this roster back for the most part with a couple of changes. Um, nothing's going to, I don't think anything's going to be too crazy. We could talk trades all we want. How many trades did we talk last off season? Nothing really came to fruition uh, except for a handful of under the radar moves that they made. Um, but uh, you have to you have to think that they're not going to usher in a new era of Yankees baseball with kind of gutting this roster and and uh, having this gigantic makeover and then have Aaron Boone run the show. Aaron Boone's already, in my opinion, had his chance. He's had four years with the best Yankees roster in a, a, a de- over a decade, a decade. Um, and he the, the farthest he got was six games in the ALCS. Uh I know things that weren't exactly favorable for him in, in every scenario, but guess what? That's life, dude. A lot of things don't work out for you every single day. Look at Alex Cora, but tell me what worked out for him. How did this, how did this 2021 Red Sox team get to where it is? Doesn't make any sense. Uh, he seemingly pressed all the right buttons with Boston, getting all their luck as usual. Um, genius. Yeah. Genius. So uh, I think that's what we're looking at because with Boone coming back, I'm not, foreseeing big changes um but i i will talk about changes i'm i'm open to i'm open to talking about more changes because that's what i want um but that move just indicates to me that it's going to be the same old stuff in 2022 i love it how how fun is that i mean you know one year with a club option makes sense because i think the the prevailing wisdom kind of is it, look, if the Yankees, the Yankees bring Boone back, bring Cashman back, change the coaching staff, um, just make some a couple of tiny moves like they always do, and don't you know ball out and splash cash, run back largely the same roster. The ceiling is basically what we saw this year. They can yeah. sneak into a wild card game if they tighten up the bullpen and have these options all year instead of relying on weird guys like Justin Wilson in the first couple of months, they can win 96 games, I guess, but they could also have their fair share of meltdowns. And then you could be on edge about them in the wild card game, or maybe they win the East, but with the Red Sox and Jays and Rays, it's pretty hard to see 95, 96 wins winning the East. But again, that's if everything goes right. That's if Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton play 152 games and they each hit 40 homers and drive in 110 runs. And that's wonderful. And they make some deadline moves and they get a lefty power hitting first baseman instead of Luke Void, who could stay on the field. And Chris Gittens isn't playing out there, et cetera. Like a lot of things have to go perfectly for this team to win 95, 96 games. If they don't, if they don't get the healthy judge and Stanton years and they don't replace Rizzo's production and they're going with slapdash people and they sign Andrelton Simmons and he can't hit and Gio Rochelle is hurt and Aaron Hicks never comes back and Torres never bounces back at second base and LeMahieu isn't the same guy. And uh, I mean, what, what else even is it like other or uh, uh, Chapman backslides again. And he looks like June Chapman. Like there's a lot of things that can go wrong and this could be like an 81 win team. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's really not far fetched. And so in that case, if they win like 81, 82 games, cause they're not getting the judge and stand years, then one year with an option makes sense. And then you really do have the ability to just be like, we can't keep Aaron Boone in place anymore. Like I know all of us want him gone already. What I keep coming back to. And the reason I keep coming back to it is because he is coming back. And we all know that is that there's a world where the Yankees can win a world series with Aaron Boone. It's Mm -hmm. easier if they don't have to. I'd rather have a manager who makes a difference 
we are laser focused on Aaron Boone's faults because he keeps getting outmanaged in crucial moments because every game he plays, whether it's the postseason or the regular season, is 2-1 in the seventh inning or 3-2, second and third, two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Like, this is just how it goes. So we've got our magnifying glasses on Aaron Boone's faults because he's in all these tight games where one little move could make the difference and we feel like he hasn't made it. Aaron Boone is a decent caretaker. He's not a good manager, but in 2019, when every everything on earth was going wrong for the Yankees lineup, somehow it was Boone's best season, best managerial job, managed to weave people in and out of the lineup endlessly, and it always worked. There was incredible chemistry on that team, and I can't say it was because of Boone, but I can say that it was partially because of the rocket ball, probably. Like, I'm not going to give Boone full credit for that team, but we've seen it. Like, we know that a really strong and powerful Yankees offense can paper over Aaron Boone's faults. That 103 win team with a ton of injuries was probably a Stanton injury away from beating the Astros in the ALCS and making the world series. If you put Garrett Cole in the Yankees instead of the Astros, they probably make the world series. Uh, they might lose to the Nats, but like that team with Aaron Boone's limited interference could have easily made the world series. And they didn't. Um, John Farrell won the 2013 world series with the Red Sox that had nothing to do with John Farrell. David Ortiz went supernova in the world series and hit 670. That Red Sox team had crazy chemistry all year. They all grew, all grew beards. I mean, that wasn't John Farrell's doing. He was a subpar manager, but they were a wrecking crew and they managed to win the world series anyway. So like Aaron Boone could follow a John Farrell path and win the world series. However, you know, and again, he won 92 games a series, been in the playoffs four years in a row. Hal Steinbrenner, no doubt, is satisfied and thinks he's making the safe decision in executing the front office's plan. We hate it, but it's true. Now, if Aaron Boone goes out there in an injury-marred season and wins 80 games, then you have every right to dismiss him. And that's kind of what it would take at this point, because if he runs it back with a similar roster, a prospect or two gets called up, don't have quite as many catastrophic bullpen losses, but still have some... You win 96 games and you're in the wild card game. Maybe you win that. Maybe you lose the DES. I don't think that's enough for them to dismiss Boone's option at that point. They're going to keep running it back as long as they're in the dance. They're just not getting the breaks. Yeah, it's it's this odd, it's odd complacency. And I understand that Boone is Boone, Boone's one. You know, you look at the roster, Boone's one, but uh, but at the uh, when you look closer, it, 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 there's been a, a bizarre regression. The, the roster has realistically gotten worse um, and has not been able to recover from Jose Altuve's walk-off home run in the, the ALCS. So I don't know what it is, but if we're going to talk about, see now, I don't think the front office is going to make overarching moves. I really don't. Um, we got the report from Andy Martino uh, either over the weekend or late last week saying that, the Yankees might go with a short-term uh, shortstop option because they trust Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza and the two players that he named were Andrelton Simmons and Marcus Simeon. And look, I have no problem with Marcus Simeon, but again, that's a year too late. You should have done it this past offseason, and then you had the versatility to kind of work him in and out. Now he hasn't played shortstop in almost over a year. He played, what, I think uh, 20 games there this year filling yeah. in. Um, so he was a full-time second baseman essentially in 2021. And then he played 50 games at shortstop in the short in 2020. Remember Marcus Simeon also, I take him at shortstop, but he's, he's not that great. He's not that reliable of a defensive shortstop. There are much better defensive shortstops than he is. So if you're going to go out and get a shortstop and it's a stopgap option, you really have to hit a home run here. So 
Is Andrelton Simmons the best option? I don't know because you're looking at a defensive wizard who hits 220 and OPS is under 700 or six. I think he OPS under 650 this year. Un- unvaccinated. Yeah. And is he even a defensive wizard anymore? I don't know. I haven't really watched it. I didn't really watch him this year on the twins. Uh, anyway, he'd be a defensive wizard compared to Glaber Torres. Absolutely. Um, and I don't want Gio Rochella playing shortstop because that's not his position. So we're looking at just a bizarre scenario where they're going to be content. Maybe I don't know that this is a rumored plan, guys. This is not anything set in stone. Um, but Andy Martino is a new New York sports, ins- New York baseball insider. Um, so you have to at least view that as a consideration for the front office. And why put it past them? They passed. They, they they've. They've overlooked big ticket guys in the past, especially this this version of the regime. Um, so if they do that, that's that's not an overarching change, and that's something, in my opinion, that sets them back. And they're they're seemingly punting twenty twenty two in order to get these prospects up. And then I look at them being cheap. I look at them maybe trading John Carlos Stanton because there were rumors after the twenty eighteen season, if you remember correctly, that they were thinking about maybe unloading him. Uh, I don't know why you remember those, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I don't understand why that was a rumor. Um, but especially because he essentially carried the team when Aaron judge was out during that 2018 season, I know he was awful in the playoffs, but, um, I I don't know how that was on the floor that they just traded for him. He had a 38 home run, hundred RBI season, uh, batted like 260 in OPS, like almost 900. And pretty good. And yeah, pretty good. And then you're going to, now you want to trade him um, when like that wasn't even, that wasn't even close to what his MVP season was the year before. So it, essentially if you look at it, it's trade value actually decreased. It, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, but now you look at it, he has an injure and he played 18 games. I think in 2019, he played in 20 total, tw- 25 total games in 2020 between the playoffs and the regular season. Cool. Trade trade value essentially dead. Now you look at 2021. The first half did look good. He was OPSing under, he was OPSing 790 or 780 in, in mid-July. And then the guy picks it up, finishes the season, one of the best players in the league. So now you look at it. Are the Yankees going to maybe offload? They can't get rid of they're not getting rid of Garrett Cole. I mean, that's that's insane. <laughs> and I, I don't mean, want to. Yeah, I just have to say that because look, they have these contracts on the books. They have Garrett Cole and John Carlos in two three hundred million dollar deals. They have to pay Aaron Judge. You know that that's probably happening after what he did this year. And then you have rising arbitration costs for a number of other guys. Maybe you got you got to pay Anthony Rizzo. You have to get a number two starter. You have to get a shortstop. So. With John Carlos Stanton now having trade value and still probably not playing enough outfield for most fans liking, is this something that they consider? They get a $300 million contract off the books. They retool. They think Brian Cashman can, you know, get three or four players for that salary or two or three players for that salary, whatever it is, because they're not going to put another, they're not going to put what, two more 200 plus million dollar contracts on the books alongside Stanton and, and Cole, are they? I don't think they are. I don't think they are. Yeah. So I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm not advocating that they trade Stanton, but is this where, is this where they, 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 they they incorrectly respond to the fans anger because fans were angry with him from the 2018 postseason up until the 2020 postseason. And then halfway through the beginning of this year, now are they going to 
are they going to cheap out at this point and be like, hey, you know what? We have enough. We have enough uh, ammo to get something back in return for Stanton. We can retool the roster, use the rest of the twenty-eight million that he's getting paid per year, whatever it is. Get get a couple other guys and figure it out. I'm just saying, guys. I'm not advocating it. I, I just wouldn't put it past this front office to do that. They penny pinched in the past, and this is a big opportunity for them to get. I think what a hundred and sixty million dollars off the books at this point. So uh, keep keep an open mind. I mean, universal DH. It's yeah. it's what the Red Sox would do. The Red Sox are in the ALCS. They traded Mookie Betts. It's like the most embarrassing move in the last five years of Major League Baseball, and yet here they are. No one's going to press them on it. Like, you know what? It'd be better. This Red Sox team in the ALCS with Mookie Betts instead of Alex Verdugo. Definitely be a better team. Um, nobody's going to press them on Alex Cora. They're just going to get to live their lives. You know, they they can do whatever they want. The Yankees would be eviscerated for, for everything that they'd done, even if they consider trading Stanton. This is traditionally... Um, the Yankees are a lot like that Donald Trump tweet, though, that really good, uh, the classic tweet of the previous era that was like, well, let's see old Donnie Trump wriggle his way out of this jam, wriggles his way out of jam. <laughs> ah, well, nevertheless, like everyone is quote tweeting us with all the payroll figures and the Yankees are in trouble and they got all this dead cap, dead caps, not a thing, but they've got Stan forever and Cole forever judge coming like rising arbitration. And people are like, ha we finally got him. And traditionally, this is when the Yankees are at their best. And they somehow manage to shake off these financial shackles or they remember they're the Yankees and they're like, who cares how much money we have on the books in 2024? Like we're going to put more money on the books in 2024. Like it's always been a fool's errand guessing about when the Yankees payroll will catch up to them because it never really happens for more than three months before they offload people and manage to stack new costs on. But is this going to be the time when it's finally the breaking point? I hope not. If they're following the Rays footsteps and they're following the Red Sox, they would consider trading Stan, but I hope that they're not going to do that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more trade pitches, the Nightmare LCS, all that good stuff. Stick around. Welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I, I do want to talk about um, raised-related business and some potential additions that the Yankees can make. I do feel like it's worth um, – th- this is one that caught my – so uh, uh, we'll start with Mike Zanino, I think. Um, sure. I, I want to talk about the possibility here. I there, there's a lot of interesting stuff in, in researching Mike Zanino and looking into his whole his whole deal. Um, did make me hyper aware of how annoying Yankee fans can be. Um, so Zanino, the Rays All Star catcher this year, had an, a, an unbelievable year. It was everything people think Gary Sanchez theoretically could be. Had a good amount of pass balls, by the way, nine on the docket, but he hit 216, 33 bombs, 62 ribs, 860 OPS, 138 OPS plus 3.7 war because he's a uh, you know defensive run save behind the plate and the framing stuff. And the way, the, you know, the intangible factor, the way he carries a pitching staff. Zanino is great. Great catcher. Basically the perfect version of what we think Gary Sanchez could be. Rocket arm. Sometimes the ball bounces past him, but sturdy back there, largely by and large, but brings a game calling element that Gary Sanchez lacks it is overall more trusted and has the offensive numbers that people seem to think Gary Sanchez had. If Gary Sanchez had a 138 OPS plus this year, we could live with his deficiencies on the defensive end. He did not. He snuck slightly below the 100 average mark. So that's just reality. Gary Sanchez is projected to cost $7.9 million this upcoming season in his final year of arbitration. That's a lot of money. It's more money than he made this year when we were considering that the Yankees might non-tender him. They did not do that. 
Last offseason, the Rays declined their option on Zanino, but ultimately signed into a one-year, $3 million deal with a team option for 2022. The Rays won 100 games this year, but they weren't good enough to get past the ALDS, which was weird. When that happens, typically the Rays shed payroll. Based on Zanino's plate appearances, that arbitration figure for the team option is going to escalate all the way up to $7 million. If the Yankees are considering not paying $8 million for Gary Sanchez, are the Rays really going to pay $7 million for Mike Zanino? How essential do they deem him to be? They don't have much on the books. Obviously, they make sure of that every year. But is Zanino worth $7 million? The caution flag I will throw here is that incredible in 2021. Incredible in 2018 with Seattle. He had a 153 up. Sorry. Never mind. Uh, not that good. 2017, <laughs> 125 OPS plus. He was below average in 2018. He, he ranked at 85. Now in 2019 with the Rays in 90 games, a 45 OPS plus. 45. <laughs> hit 165, slug 312, 544 OPS. That's a Cody Bellinger 2021 season. That is like Gary Sanchez in 2020. Basically the same fella. Last year, Zanino in 2020, when he killed the Yankees, hit 147 in the shortened season. You think he's good because of what announcers say. He was great in 2021. He had the kind of seasons in 2020 and 2019 and 2018 that if his name were Gary Sanchez and he played in the Bronx, he would have gotten eviscerated. The intangibles are less easy to pick up on if you are hitting 165 with nine homers and OPS plusing 45. <laughs> so I posit this. If the Rays let Zanino go and 7 million is too much, do you take the chance on picking him up from within the division, knowing full well that prior to 2021, he looked a lot like the last couple of years of Gary Sanchez? Do the intangibles make it worth it? Or would you be, you know, based on the eye test, how quickly do you think fans would get furious with Zanino if he basically replicated Gary's offense in April and May? I think it would happen fairly quickly. And so I do want to throw the caution flag here. I'm not sure they would because the reason fans are upset. Because they're racist. (laughs) The reason fans are upset with Gary Sanchez is because of what the expectations have been with him. There's so for a guy. So this is where I think the Yankees stand to actually upgrade in a sense, because when you put kind of these, these guys with um, uh, these faceless dudes among you know, the, the average fan or players that aren't expected to uh, blow projections out of the water. And like, you know, we've been hearing for years, Gary Sanchez is supposed to be the best offensive catcher in the league. You know what guys, Gary said, San- Will Smith is who Gary Sanchez was supposed to be. Watch the Dodgers. Do me a favor. Take, take a gander. They're in the playoffs. Game five is on Thursday night against the giants. Watch Will Smith. He's exactly what Gary Sanchez should be rocketing doubles, hitting home runs, not being a liability behind the plate. So I think that Gary Sanchez's um, kind of uh, uh, allure from, from his earlier years has doomed him because it's only been regression since then. I think if you plug a guy like Zanino, I wouldn't pay him $7 million. Once again, I don't really give a shit. It's not my money. If I'm just managing a budget here, I'm not paying Mike Zanino as much as Gary Sanchez is supposed to earn in ar- in arbitration because Look, Zini knows this past year, it, it was it was a bullshit raise year. The Rays, this is what the Rays do. They have these guys come in. They have the this one create 33 home runs from Zanino in in a wild year. His his best numbers ever. Uncharacteristic. You're not going to see it again. But you put Zanino at the back end of the Yankees lineup, protected by a number of other good hitters, 
And then maybe you're talking about 25 bombs. Maybe you're talking about an upgrade. Well, you're definitely talking about an upgrade on the defensive end with calling games and, and helping out young pitchers and, and not being a liability on a complete liability on the defensive end. Um, I, I don't think people say Gary Sanchez's defense has improved. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it's improved to the point where you're not ripping your hair out every every other inning, but it's still not good. Um, so, yeah, I would probably do Zanino for like five mil if the Rays let him go. And then because the thing it's just tough because you're not going to be able to trade Sanchez. No one's taking that money. No one's taking that chance. So it's either not tender Sanchez and go with Zanino or stick with Sanchez again or get rid of Sanchez and figure out a, a better plan, which I don't know what, what that would be. But I, I really don't think that I don't I really don't think fans would be up in arms if he's batting one if Zanino's batting 180 in June and not really getting the job done. As long as there's no deficiencies behind the plate to the extent as there were with Sanchez, I really don't think it would be an issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope not. I uh, but you just never know because yeah. you, you know how this fan. I mean, who turned on Joey Gallo and when I can't even really tell at this point if they're still supporters. I don't or... think there's enough. I don't think there's enough outrage with what Joey Gallo's done, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know if I'm am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just based all. on social media, based on like the media, kind of like the New York Post did a couple stories about how bad Joey Gallo was. It's like you, the difference between Sa- Sanchez and Stanton doing bad in a, in a week stretch, would they would get eviscerated by everybody and everything. Joey Gallo had an awful two months, and I feel like the criticism was like fairly light for New York. I don't know. These free agent catchers, it should also be noted, are absolute dog shit. There's, just, there's no other way around yeah. it. Jan Gomes and Martin Maldonado are the best two who are available for money alone. Everybody else has complicating fact. Manny Pena is available. He hasn't been good in four years, and he's 34. Um, best of luck with that. Sandy Leone, you can have him if you'd like. Um, it, it's like a Wilson Contreras trade in his final year. That's a thing. But like, is that really a, an upgrade on Gary Sanchez? They seem to be the same person. Um, Tucker Barnhart has a club option. Christian Vasquez has a club option. Zanino, obviously Roberto Perez, who I love, but can't stay healthy. These are all the people that I'm reading off. So I, I don't not terribly happy with either of these people. Um, let's talk Matt Olson for a second, because mm. he is the obvious upgrade that this team could could stand to have. He is only 27. He is a left-handed batter. He is a great defensive first baseman. He was worth 5.8 war this year. Hit 271, 371 OBP, 39 bombs, 153 OPS plus. Absolute monster. Arb eligible in 2022 and 23. Free agent after the 2023 season. Obviously, he's going to be available. The Oakland A's missed the playoffs. The Oakland A's always retool after they miss the playoffs, and they always reach similar heights where they're either an interesting little bit of a scrappy, spooky team going to the playoffs, or they win 84 games and do not make the dance at all. They reload constantly. They are also bad for baseball. It is not good that we can look at the A's roster when they started off this year. They were maybe the hottest team in baseball in April, and we're going, you know, two years after they were one of the darlings of the game, we're like, let's strip Matt Chapman and Matt Olson for parts. Doesn't feel good. Don't like doing that. Um, And Matt Olson in the shortened season, 103 OPS plus in 60 games, hit 195 with 14 homers and 42 ribs. But he had a Joey Gallo 2020. 
He was much better in 2019 and 2018 and obviously in 2021. And he's only 27. He's hitting his peak. But there is a horrible season mixed in there. Um, I personally feel like Matt Olson is a borderline MVP candidate if he is in the Bronx. I just want to talk about what it might take. I think it's a little unrealistic to just assume the Yankees are going to the front of the line here because they never make the move that you assume. Like we knew they were connected to Joey Gallo that leaked out a trillion times. Everybody said they loved him, but the price was too high. turned out the price wasn't that high. And then turned out Joey Gallo was terrible. Hmm. Matt Olson is someone who we have not heard about outside of every fan in the world. Just being like Matt Olson, Matt Olson. We don't know if he's available, even though based on the A's behavior, he probably will be. We don't know if the Yankees are interested. We don't know anything, but What would it take to get their hands on Matt Olson? Um, The A's love controllable pieces. They love bounce back players. This is not a Clint Frazier and Miguel and Duhar for Matt Olson situation. And prospects are going to need to be a part of this. But why can't Luke Voigt be a part of this deal? He's a power hitting first baseman. He was almost an MVP uh, candidate in 2020. He led the American League in home runs. He is not a lefty, but he is a masher. He is an extra year of control. Uh, He's there through 2024. If he rebuilds his value in Oakland, he's extremely tradable. If not, fine. He will not be the centerpiece of this deal. Even in, even in 2021, when Luke Voigt was awful, Yankee fans hated Luke Voigt in 2021. 11 bombs, 35 ribs, and a 109 OPS plus in a shortened tenure. He's never had an OPS plus as bad as Matt Olson did in 2020. Luke, Luke Voigt's numbers are 124 in 2019. He was great. He tore his body apart in the middle of the season and had a hernia and never was the same. He was incredible in 2020. 2018 down the stretch for the Yankees, he posted a 193 OPS plus in 39 games. He's performed whenever he's been given the opportunity. I am not saying he's going to be the centerpiece of a deal right now, but why instead of Anthony Volpe or Oswald Peraza, why wouldn't you glom pitching prospects onto Luke Voigt and try to turn that into a trade? And again, this could be Clark Schmidt and Peraza. I would keep one of Volpe or Peraza. That's sort of where I fall right now. I would do I would do Peraza, Voigt, and Luis Heel for Matt Olson. Yeah, I would do a number of things. I don't I, I would go as far to say that you don't even need to in, include prospects if you didn't want to. Look, I if you what if you what if you package Luke Voigt and Glaber Torres? What if you package Luke Voigt, Joey Gallo, and like a top 10, maybe one top 10 prospect? What if you did Luke Voigt, Aaron Hicks, and ate half of Aaron Hicks's contract and gave them a center fielder and then you know popped in popped in somebody else. It doesn't have to be a prospect heavy deal. I don't, I also don't think that's cheaping out on, I don't think that's trying to screw the A's over at all. I think Aaron Hicks may have some good years left in him. It's just not working out here. And it's a liability for the Yankees at this point. I think they, they soured the relationship with Luke Voigt. He can't be here anymore. They, they, they disrespected him. They, they traded for somebody else. They didn't get, and then that, that other person went on the COVID IL Luke Voigt won AL player of the week, and then they benched him for essentially the rest of the season. Um, Gallo. Gallo seems like a guy the A's would love to have. Versatile defensively, <laughs> lefty power bat, played in the AL West. Like I I'm just not can't saying, believe we're trading Joey Gallo. I laugh uh, every time we talk yeah, about it. I mean, yeah, I laughed. I mean, I laugh in a sad manner because this was a great – this on paper was a great move to help us in 2022 and how I just don't understand – where he fits on this team if you're not going to play him in center field. So I don't want him in left field. The Yankees shouldn't want him either. Um, and then Glaber Torres. You don't think the A's see value in Glaber Torres? They got a, they got uh, Elvis Andrews at, at uh, shortstop. Um, who do they have at second? Tony Kemp, who kind of hmm. roves, who kind of bounces around everywhere anyway. I think you could put Tony Kemp in the outfield, put Joey and put Glaber Torres at second base. I don't think that's insane. I think 
I think Glaber Torres might do better with in a, in a, in a scenario like that, where the pressure is really off and he's not really asked to do a whole lot. Um, and you look at it from the ACE perspective, Chapman made 5 million in arbitration this year. That's going to at least double after the season he had this year. And, and I don't think I'm wrong with that. He was an all-star. He was, he was a, he was borderline a top, what 10, 15 player. Um, yeah, 156 games played 39 bombs, 111, uh, RBI, 911 OPS, 153 OPS plus. No, all that 911 OPS. Get out of here. (laughs) Those are tremendous numbers. And Oakland is not going to want to, Oakland historically is not going to want to sit this out and pay these rising arbitration costs or be saddled with, uh, um, contract rumors with, with these guys. It's not, it's not part of their business model. Uh, I, I think everybody knows that at this point. Um, so, yeah, I think a package of either a couple of major leaguers that could help them remain in contention because this A's team still has the bones. You still got Matt Chapman, who's going to rebound next year. You still have a good pitching staff. Um, maybe you bring maybe you Trevor Rosenthal, maybe they bring back if he's healthy and then they they bolster the bullpen. Who knows what they they, they always figure it out. And they always do things. They're smarter than us. We'll put it that way. So if they can get a couple of guys on their roster who are either under control, or if we go, if we go the other route and they get a couple of top prospects out of it, I see that as a win for everybody. And you get Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt should be in the deal because they're going to need a first baseman. They're going to like his control. I understand he's injury prone, but you know, you got to take what you can get Luke Voigt, but one of the best power hitters in the league when he's healthy and is not very expensive. Um, so yeah, I don't think this is out of the question. I'm seeing on social media though. Funny. The discussion has popped up about Matt Olson today and they're talking about Volpe plus plus more. Um, I don't think the Yankees do that. Um, I also think that would be dumb if the Yankees didn't do that, because why not just trade Volpe plus whatever else it might take, get Olsen and then splurge big on a, on a, on a shortstop, Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, whatever you want to do. Um, because then you have a brand new world series window that is at least another three years. It's open for another three years, um, or two years. Cause Olsen's under club control for two more. Um, so I think there's a multitude of ways to go about it. Do I think the Yankees are going to do any of them? No, I don't. <laughs> well, there, that's that on that. Like, yeah, I would, I would trade Volpe. I would, I don't want to do, I don't want to do any of these things. I just want to be good. I want to be coming yeah. off a world series being like, wow, how can we get better? Who cares? <laughs> the yeah. window is open forever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Like I love Volpe season more than anything. I, if you told me at the beginning of 2021, at the end of the season, I'd be like, Anthony Volpe's untradeable. Then I, that's embarrassing. He was, you know, a, a light bat, decent field, first round pick. People still don't know if he's a shortstop. I'm, I'm just excited about his potential because I think there's a ton of intangibles there that I, you know, I haven't learned anything about him yet. There's nothing, there's nothing about Anthony Volpe for me to hate yeah. until I see him. All everybody tells me is that he's, he's like the consummate professional baseball player. And that's exciting. I want that on my team, but Garrett Cole's in his prime right now. Giancarlo Stan and Aaron judge aren't going to be this forever, even though judge will need to be paid. You've got like three years to maximize here. The window is open, not with the current, like changes must be made. This current team, again, is not going to win the World Series this fall. But there's, you know, there are people in their primes who are World Series winning cogs. So they need to consider everything in order to make it possible to get to that point. Um, I don't want to trade Volpe. I want him in the majors now, but that's not how prospects work. You can't just push them. You know, it's going to be two years. And are we willing to wait those two years? If there's a way to trade Peraza instead, or if there's a way to, you know, keep one and, and ditch the other, whatnot, that's fine. They don't have a shortstop for 2022. 
Yeah. <laughs> they don't have one. So I don't really want to commit long-term to Trevor Story or Corey Seager, who might be a third baseman that gums up everything. You're trading Gio Rochelle. This is a crazy offseason. And, and that's part of the reason they don't want to get rid of Brian Cashman either. Because either they're running it back almost 100% and the expectations don't change at all and they remain lowered, or they're making so many changes. Like, yeah. we are going to have to entertain a ton of things this offseason. They don't have a shortstop on the roster next year. And it's not Gio Rochella, so don't tell me that. So either they believe in a quick fix and then it's Volpe, or they're totally willing to trade Volpe and Peraza because they just dropped $180 million on Trevor Story. They're really kind of the only two options. Or Carlos Correa, who's doing his free agency tour now and saying, I love Chicago pizza and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Carlos Correa does not feel like a Yankee to me just because I know how the Yankees operate and, and they're definitely going to go to judge and be like, do you hate this person? And if he's like, yes, I hate this person, I'll be like, great, we're not signing him. But Carlos Correa is definitely ending up either on the Yankees or on a completely irrelevant team like the Detroit Tigers, right? I think so. I, I don't know. I, he's like Rangers A-Rod. It's like a two, yeah. he's he's a, he's a mercenary and he, he's got his playoff moments and a, and a franchise that thinks they're close is going to just drop $200 million on Carlos Correa and that's great, but I don't think it's going to be us. Yeah, for whatever reason, I feel like he's not the front-facing figure in this free agency class. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just looking at this the wrong it's way. It's weird. He's the um, best player. He's easily the best. He's the youngest player, and he's the best player, and he has the and he has the uh, him and Corey Seager are probably neck and neck with postseason experience. Um, but he might have more. De- uh, eh, uh, Corey Seager won NLCS and World Series MVP and so World Series, know. but 2020 yeah. was fake. Yeah. Was <laughs> um, but yeah, Carlos Correa's resume is impressive. He's the youngest shortstop out of this entire group. He's 26. Corey Seager's 27. So those are the headliners. But I feel like Carlos Correa constantly gets like shoved into the background whenever we start talking about this free agency class. Um, Obviously, that was even more accentuated before Francisco Lindor signed his contract extension with the Mets. Um, but it's bizarre because since Lindor seemingly came off the market, Javier Baez played second base for the second half of the season and doesn't really seem to be the one of the top candidates. Like Carlos Cray is just not still not striking me as one of the top options. Would I take him as a Yankee? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, I certainly would. Um, then again, uh, I might be more inclined to do this. You sign Corey Seager. You have him at shortstop for the next year or two. He's probably going to need a position change. So when the time comes, maybe he goes to third. At that point, Gio Rochelle is a free agent. Then you got either Volpe or Peraza coming up. They play shortstop. Um, Because look at it this way, guys. Maybe you use one of Volpe or Peraza to trade for Olsen. You have to look at it through this lens. If your prospects are playing well, it's good news all around. It's good news because, A, they might be good, but guess what? They also probably won't be. How many prospects play well and then get to the major leagues and are not good? I'm not saying that's the case with either of these guys in Anthony Volpe or Oswald Peraza, but it certainly is probably the case with one of them. You're not going to hit on both top uh, shortstop prospects. I, I don't know what world you're living in. This is you're not hitting the lottery every time that, that these types of scenarios come up. We never so, have. We yeah. never hit the lottery. So yeah, why we, would we? We definitely have not. Other franchises, the Rays probably do. They have what Taylor Walls and Wander. Frank Remember Taylor, Taylor Walls? Walls? Where yeah, was he in the playoffs? They're just guys that come yeah. and go. And where was Mike Brasso? What the hell are the Rays doing? I, I don't know. Weird shit. But anyway, guys, don't prospect hug. Look at it as a very good opportunity because if your prospects are playing well, it's good. It's good for trades. Anthony Volpe was a nobody. Uh, he had an awful 2019. And everyone was like, is this guy a bust? He was a first round pick. This guy's a bust now. Now he plays well in 2021 and he's untouchable. This is how it goes. 
This is why baseball is insane. It's the same thing with the trade deadline. It's like you get up a reliever with a 5-5 ERA the year before, and then he's got a 1-5 ERA for the first two months of the season, and all of a sudden he's costing two top 10 prospects. There's no, there's got, you got to view it somewhere in the middle ground. I get being excited about your prospects. I get being excited about Anthony Volpe. His rise and his ascension has been unbelievable this past year, especially after he missed an entire season due to the pandemic. But you're not going to sit here and tell me you're going to hang on to both of these guys and dream of an amazing scenario where they both pan out when they come up to the major leagues at the same time. Peraza just got a taste of AAA, like 20 games. He still needs a, probably a full season there, at the very least three quarters of a season. And Volpe, it, was it high A? Maybe it, you got to trade one of them. And if the A's are interested in either one of them and Olsen is available and you can throw Luke Voigt and somebody else in there, then you have to do it. And then maybe sign Corey Seager. And if you want to keep one of these shortstop prospects, Volpe's probably not going to be ready until at least 2023, at least. Move Seager to third, Volpe at Volpe at short, Olsen at first. You keep Torres, I guess, in this situation. He's at second. Or you trade Torres and you keep LeMahieu at second. I don't know. Could be fun. I just hate the idea that saying trade Torres and trade Luke Voigt is now being treated by the mass of other teams' fans yeah. the Bullshit. same way trading Andujar, trading Frazier yeah. was. Like, it's completely ridiculous. Glaber Torres had 38 home runs at the age of 23 in 2019 one of the best young players in baseball up there with Ronald Acuna Jr. He was bad in 2020 and he was completely abused in 2021. He's coming off two bad years, but it's ridiculous to say that's the same as Miguel Andujar, who, by the way, could always hit and couldn't field. It's also kind of ridiculous to say Andujar wasn't valuable, but that's another point entirely. But and again, Luke Voigt was completely misused this year and did hit when yeah. available. He's an injured MVP candidate. Sorry, it is what it is. Who got shunned to the side because his defense is subpar. You're getting a first baseman DH who can hit you 40 homers. That is not a completely non-valuable asset. You're probably going to have to attach some prospects to him and make it interesting and a live arm on the mound. And Clark Schmidt's going to have to go out west. We're not trading all damaged goods. But to say Luke Voigt and Glaber Torres are like Clint Frazier is insane to me. Um, Before we sign off, do you want to talk about the Nightmare ALCS for a little bit? Um, I'm going to get this off right, right off the top. I'm rooting for the Astros. Obviously, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, sh- obviously, shut up. We had our Astros beef. It was enjoyable. It was embarrassing when we yelled fuck Altuve in the middle of May against other teams. It's embarrassing <laughs> to do that now. This is the Red Sox we're talking about. This is Alex Cora and the Boston Red Sox. Don't forget who Alex Cora is and the fact that he was allowed to walk right back to his position. If you're saying I'll never root for the cheating Astros, you're going to root for the cheating Alex Cora? That's what you're going to do? There are no repercussions for the Red Sox team. There never are. There never have been. This is the, this would be the fifth World Series run 2004 onward. That is nuts to me how you could possibly be rooting for that just because of an Astros grudge. The players never got punished. It's true. I think MLB should have done more to harm the players, but it's it's over with. It's done with. It's ridiculous for you to prioritize Alex Cora, the manager of your chief rival over the Houston Astros players with a different infrastructure. I'm also rooting for Dusty Baker. That's yeah. it, and that's all. Um, I think this is obvious. I don't think there's anything to even really talk about here, but, but... Before we dive in, I'll obviously ask you how you feel as well. We can we can talk it out. We can have the debate. But Lance McCullers Jr. sounded like somebody who's going to pitch in this series after Tuesday's game four, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But he was scratched with forearm tightness. He is the Astros' 
best pitcher at this moment. Without him, the Red Sox road to the 2021 World Series could be through Shane Boz, Drew Rasmussen, Colin McHugh, Jose Urquidy, Jose Garcia, Framber Valdez, a Christian Javier, Zach Greinke hybrid. What the fuck is that? insane it's absolutely and great the way that Grinky's last month of the season unfolded he was on the COVID IL he came back and made two starts then went back on the IL and then was only able to throw bullpen sessions because it was the end of the year so he's probably not going to be able to fill into the into the rotation and if he does I don't see him going like longer like four innings seems like his max at this point yeah so the Red Sox if the colors is out the, the updates don't sound bad I think the coaching staff weighed in on it yesterday and think that he should be fine but getting a forearm tightness diagnosis right before the ALCS is supposed to begin on Friday is just classic bullshit Red Sox luck and this is why this team pisses me off because like we talked like I talked about on the last last episode hilarious absolutely fucking hilarious how the Yankees run into the Rays look the Yankees should have got the job done against the Rays last year I'm not making any excuses that yeah, Blake Snell's totally not on that the, good but no but they had Blake Snell they had Charlie Morton they had Tyler Glass now. I know they battered Tyler Glass now. I know they uh, they they handled Blake Snell too at some point, but they they th- that that was and then the Rays had a beast bullpen that year too. So if you have pitchers that can actually give you length, and then you have a bullpen behind it, that's worth something. That can at least be competitive. The Yankees, when faced with competitive situations, usually lie down. So the Yankees get that version of the Rays, and then the Red Sox get this version of the Rays, which, yeah, 101-win team, very good, but starting rookies in games one and two, and then a hybrid pitcher in game three, and then Colin McHugh, another hybrid pitcher in game four. Like, give me a break. I'm never going to forgive Brandon Lau either. Like, we no. can't. This for is the kind of, yeah. 0 for 18 with nine strikeouts in the ALDS, and he beat the shit out of us with three home runs and, like, 10 RBIs in the final fucking series of the season. This is what we're complaining about. The Red Sox are not as good as the Rays, but the Red Sox didn't get the Rays. They got Brandon Lau getting no hits in a four-game series. That's not the Rays. What the hell is that? It's also not even... How do you even do that? How do you even get zero hits? How do you do that and not be on the Yankees? That's our thing. And and that's the other thing. The Red Sox pitching, not even that good. They got destroyed. Eduardo Rodriguez got shelled in game one. Chris Sale got destroyed in game two before the Red Sox bats decided to score 14 runs. Game three, what that was another that was what that was another walk off. That was the was that the five four win? That yeah, was the double and Alex game. Cora mismanaged that. He brings yeah. in Hansel Robles. Who that was the game. double game. And then Alex Cora somehow blew games three and four of this series by going to Garrett Whitlock after the game was already blown and he won both of them. Yeah, I just I don't like I said, I talked to my I talked to a couple Red Sox friends all the time. And I'm just like, I'm not even jealous or envious. I'm just confused. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like, what, how, how does this happen again? This is happening again. It's, it's a team. 2018, great. You had an awesome team. That was Best what team. it was. But it was also stress-free. There was not a moment in that season. Red Sox fans are, I think the only time that they were stressed was when they lost game two of the ALDS to the Yankees when Sanchez and Judge battered, um, uh, David Price. David Price, yeah. And Eduardo Rodriguez. I'll also add to that list, to be fair, to be fair, when Kimbrel put all those runners on in game four at Yankee Stadium because, oh. that's, you know, they've got Yankees energy. And then when Kimbrel loaded the bases and Ben Intendi had to die for that line drive. But us Yankee fans know that the 108 win Red Sox were obviously getting off unscathed there. But if yeah. you're a Red they Sox fan, they lost three games in the postseason. Yeah. They lost three games in the postseason. 
They, they lost went, game one at home to the Astros and then won four in a row. Who does that? <laughs> Three yeah. in a row on the road. Beat Verlander. Like, beat Cole. Who does that? I don't I, – I really don't know. And then you look at 2013 and 20, 2007, and it's just like, I don't, I don't get it, man. I just really don't. And then you have – and then you have us. We just don't have the we just don't have the mental edge, and I don't know how it could go on for this much longer. How how the mentality of the team can be this battered and affected for for how seventeen years now? I think I mean my official prediction is either the this it sounds like waffling and it is, but I think the Astros win in six or the Red Sox win in five. If the Astros can get a three two advantage going home, I think they win the series. I also think they're better than the Red Sox, but I think there is a world where everything just breaks in the Red Sox way. If the pitching staff is muddled like this and somebody's out early in game one and blah blah, like you can see it breaking the other way very quickly too. I think the Astros are objectively better, but then again, yeah. there's there's the chance next week that I wake up and I'm like. And somebody who doesn't have a hole in their swing is one for 22 in this series. Why is Michael Mm -hmm. Brantley one for 22 in this series? I say to myself as I watch the Red Sox up three, one, like none of this makes sense at all. I think the Dodgers have what it takes to beat the Red Sox. I think the Giants do too. I think the Astros do too. I think the Braves don't. I think the Red Sox are the fourth best of the five teams remaining, but I absolutely cannot rule them out of winning the whole damn thing because that's how they roll. Yeah, I think one more time, I'm going to say it one more time because I've said it now for the wild card and I said it for the DS, the Red Sox pitching is simply not good enough to get by the Astros. Now it's for real because the Astros are not a team that goes silent like the Yankees and the Rays. The Rays are a strikeout heavy team. The Rays are a very frustrating offensive team, but when they're clicking, they just hit home runs like a bunch of meatheads. Um, Same thing with the Yankees. They typically they either pour it on or you get two runs in eight innings and then you either lose the game or it's going to extras and your fate's already sealed. So you're looking at the Astros who absolutely battered the White Sox in this series. Um, I understand that the White Sox were very clearly the inferior team, but now if you're going to look at what the Red Sox bring to the table in both their starting rotation and their bullpen and the offensive, the offensive advantage here still goes to the Astros, the pitching advantage here. I think probably still goes to the Astros. This version of Chris Sale, it's like Evaldi. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's Evaldi just, might be the best pitcher in the series, yes. theoretically, but there's nobody else. Yeah, but Framber Valdez, very good. I think um, uh, Urquidy is, is certainly okay. I think These guys Urquidy, are all serviceable and have yeah. playoff experience. And Framber against the Red Sox is kind of a kryptonite. The Red Sox do not like these soft-tossing lefties. Mm-hmm. The Rays have all these rookies throwing poorly located 97. The Astros have what it actually like the the Red Sox just lost to two Orioles dudes who do this like Framber Valdez is better than those guys. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to one more time. See if we can go one for three here. (laughs) One for three. That's all I want. The Red Sox pitching simply cannot. It's a seven game series now. It's different than a five and it's different than a one game. You have all hands on deck for a one game series. You get a couple of bounces your way in a five game series. The pitching plans don't get upended. Now, when things start to get messy, and you need all hands on deck in maybe games five, six, and seven, a lot, a lot more difficult. And I, 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 I do I trust Alex Cora to potentially navigate that? Absolutely. I think he's a top three manager in the game, but I don't think that they have the necessary people, the personnel to get it done against an offense such as the Astros. So here we are. <laughs> this is the Astros want to prove everybody wrong. They want to show everybody that they can win without cheating. They want to show all the haters up. Um, but of course, 
The Red Sox won't mention anything about cheating to give them more fuel. And the Red Sox are probably just going to be like, oh, I checked out WinBet today and I saw that the Astros are the favorite to win the series. We'll show <laughs> them. We'll show them minus 150 to win the series. You got to be kidding me. We're going to use What if the Astros accidentally give the Red Sox cheat? Like, what if the Astros accuse watch, the Red Sox of watch, cheating? Watch. Yeah. Carlos Correa, like it could be Correa being like, I don't know, man, like people come after us. But like, remember, Alex Cora, though, is part of our team. And then suddenly Alex Verdugo's like, so angry that they would say facts, true facts. Um, you also <laughs> look at the look at the lineup from 2018. The Astros lineup that that 103 win Astros team brought to Fenway Park and tried to contend. Yeah. George Springer, good. Altuve, yes. Bregman, yes. Guriel, sure. Tyler White. Marwin Correa, yes. Maldonado, Josh Reddick. Uh, like, rather have Brantley in there, rather have Kyle Tucker in there. I think the Astros have a much better lineup now than they did three mm-hmm. years ago. Um, I think the Red Sox have a much worse pitching staff. They certainly have a much worse bullpen. Again, Astros and six. Or if we're in bullshit world, Red Sox and five. Those are the only two options. I don't think the Red Sox win a seven-game series. I think either the Astros win a very normal-looking series, split the first two at home, go two out of three on the road, win game six, or we're in bullshit world. <laughs> Those are my only options. Bullshit are you world. are you rolling with the Astros? I'm rolling with the Astros. Um, I think it could get as ugly as five. I would agree with six. I do not. I really don't think the series is going to seven. Um, bullshit world, though. I think bullshit world is either Red Sox and five or Red Sox and seven. Because I think if they can, if they can weather, if the Red Sox improve, they can weather the storm through five games. I think that they just lock it in and and they could they could figure it out afterward. But I don't know. I I, I will confidently say Astros and six as the the leading the leading candidate here. Yeah, Astros and six is my jam. But let's see. Let us see. Uh, that is it for this Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Kay Lombardo, you're listening. Please check in with us if you liked what you heard. 50-minute <laughs> pod, pretty long one. I don't know if you made it all the way through, but I thought it was good. I thought there's a lot of good content here today. We talked about the Yankees for the vast majority. Uh, that's what you want, right? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can also find me on Twitter at Tommy's underscore takes. You can talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. But more importantly, head on over to YanksGoYard.com. We got plenty of talking points here for you. Off-season Yankee stuff, who should be traded, what the Yankees are doing. What our rivals are doing, what's pissing us off. We want to hear from you. We want to see you in the comments section. And until then, guys, we'll talk to you on Pizza Friday. Take care. Oh, take care, everybody. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.